tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Any Way the Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 11 through 13, which you probably remember as the chapters that made you throw your book across the room. Yep. <laughs> I definitely, definitely <laughs> texted Jesse and was like, but what if we didn't talk about these chapters? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, but for your listening enjoyment, we are. <laughs> yes. Wait, can we do announcements first really quick? Yes. Okay. Announcement one. It's very nearly the end of this month when this comes out and we're still doing our sticker club promo thing where if you join during the month of august you get two bonus stickers from our back catalog in addition to this month's very incredible sticker so please do that you can either join through our shop or join our sticker club and our patreon at the same time um it's cheaper if you join through patreon you save like 50 cents per sticker plus shipping. So it's like a dollar and 16 cents cheaper a month um, if you join it in addition to joining our, our Patreon. So something to keep in mind. And we would really appreciate it. Our goal is 40 new subscribers. And I don't know how close we are to that because this doesn't come out for like two weeks. But um, I'm sure we're still at least a couple people away and you could be the people that get us to 40. Right. You know, it's a back to school time. You need some new stickers to decorate your locker, dorm room, classroom, whatever. So we're here to deliver those to right to your door. <laughs> we sure are. Only other announcement for this is like content warning for this whole episode. These three chapters are just sad and they're about depression and breakups and people not being their best selves so poor communication skills yeah we're gonna try and do like a fun is this just fantasy section at the end which if we manage it i'll put like a timestamp in for like if you want six minutes of fun but you don't want to listen to the rest of this episode but yeah if you're like not in a headspace to listen to us talk about some really depressing chapters maybe go listen to like our entire summer camp lineup of the gaily planet where we talked about really Fun, happy movies, not about depression and breakups. And that's fine. We'll be back next week or in two weeks with the reconciliation and things will be better. That's it. Yes. So now, Jesse, do you want to tell us what these chapters are about? I sure do. So I'm not even going to give chapter numbers because the only two POVs we get in these string of chapters are between Simon and Baz. So we start off with Baz, who has come back to London to no boyfriend. Simon has taken his worldly possessions and left his flat with Penny and left Baz only a pitiful note of I'm sorry. 
Penny experience her own quarter-life crisis won't help Baz find Simon because she's like, it's his life and he can ghost friends if he wants to. Baz, understandably, is like, fuck that noise. Simon has gotten his own flat and not even 48 hours later, a fucking goblin is trying to kill him so that they can become the Goblin King. Even without active magic or the Sword of Mages, Simon is still a ruthless fighter, so he wins. Um, we, we learn that he has seen Dr. Wobbelove about the removal of his wings and tail, which will happen the very next day, which he thinks will help with his own quarter-life crisis. Anyway, Baz turns up because duh. Uh, Baz, of course, has found someone using magic and is fucking pissed at himself, at Penny, and also at Simon, which, understandable. And while he knows what the fuck all this is about, he wants Simon to actually say the words that he's breaking up with him. Simon can't say these words because this does actually hurt him. But instead of reflecting that feeling, Simon is thinking about how attractive Baz is right now and how Simon is just really over being in the world of mages with no active magic, which he says is part of the problem. But Baz is like, I literally don't fucking care that you can't cast spells. Uh, but... Simon is vomiting a, a year's worth of, of vitriol and is letting Baz know about his anger slash envy of Baz's skill with magic. And they're like change dynamic from evenly matched rivals on either side of good and evil to whatever the hell's going on right now. Baz is blindsided by all of this, mainly because he assumed a lot of things about where Simon was at with about their relationship. And... Mostly because Simon is bad about talking about his feelings. But as much as magic is in his blood, Baz is like, I will literally break my wand right the fuck now if you do not break up with me. Which doesn't end up happening. Because Simon also knows how real his love for Baz is and how it is actually a very special thing to have found. But he is too depressed to, to move forward with that thought either. He still, in fact, breaks up with Baz. Baz is fucking pissed. And so are all of us. <laughs> uh, Bess is mostly pissed that Simon can't follow through with the strength of their love and their relationship, which, I mean, is due to depression. But Bess is fucking over this shit and he angrily leaves Simon's flat. Yep. 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 Um, so listeners, we're not doing our normal segments today because we were like, wait, there's not anything to separate. There's... This is just like one, one thing that happens in these three chapters. So we're just going to talk about it like a normal podcast um, where we talk about it from like A to B and then we're done. Uh, who knows? I We've done it before. We'll be fine. Yeah. And it really made more sense than like scrambling to try and find like fun things to put in the front page. Yeah, I only have one thing in the front page because yeah, again, not a lot happens in these chapters besides fighting <laughs> interpersonal fighting yeah um so i'm not going to be doing welcome twos we're just going to start talking until we're done and then we are going to try and do a is this just fantasy at the end i think we'll see yeah so i guess let's just get right into it this is yeah this is a chapter that's just about like depression and like poor coping skills and well yeah i mean if you want to do it chronologically let's start off with baz's first chapter where he comes he comes back to London after dealing with his family shit. And Penny is a mess because she's already gotten, as we left off last episode, 
Simon being like, I'm leaving. Don't try to follow me. I need some space. Yeah. Peace out. And she's, of course, having her own crisis of self has been for, for the past couple of episodes. So she's just like, she's like, she's already in a place where she's questioning all of her decisions. So, of course, she's like, this is really upsetting, but I, I'm just going to have to let him do his thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm sure this feels like further confirmation of her new state of being as a capital W wrong person, you know? Yeah. Where it's like she doesn't even know what she means to her friends or like what they need from her and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The differences in reaction between like Baz and Penny to Simon's decision, I thought were really interesting. I think that they both have like really reasonable and understandable reactions you know i think that it makes sense for penny to be like no we have to respect his wishes and i think it makes sense for baz to be like he is not like a he's not in an emotional place where like his decisions aren't necessarily rooted in what he actually needs and b you don't just get to like make decisions that like severely hurt the people in your lives and expect them to be like yeah okay bye (laughs) yeah and i feel like Baz's sort of general point of view throughout really all of these chapters is like, he's not having a quarter life crisis. Baz knows who he is and is like, doesn't have the same sort of neurospicy issues that Simon and Penny are dealing with. So he's just like, what the, like, what the fuck is anyone literally saying to me right now? (laughs) (laughs) You know? And as someone who's never been that person, I'm like, I guess this is how you would feel, but it it just like really sucks. So yeah, I mean, I feel like Baz's like frustration and anger and confusion is like very understandable. Yeah. And I mean, I think that some of it is him being like, I know who I am and I know what I want, but also some of it feels like this sort of, like this sense of like, no one is making any sense. feels a little bit, no, not a little bit. It also feels like, he's just sort of shut a door in himself to the sort of emotional place that would potentially be able to understand what Simon and Penny are doing. And he's thinking, like making a choice to think about it from like a logic point of view where it's like this, and he's right, right? Logically, this doesn't make any sense. And I don't know, that's something that I very much resonate with. These chapters are, like, very hard for me. Like, right after this book came out and, like, right after I read it, Evan hit, like, the point in the pandemic where he was, like, I something huge has to change in my life and, like, that huge thing is going to have to be you because there's literally no other options. And I feel like I responded very much like Baz, where I was, like, you are being so foolish right now. Like, literally, we have the best relationship <laughs> of anyone I've ever known and, like, this would be such a bad decision to make. And why are you being so illogical? And he was like, it's not about logic. It's about feelings. And I was like, but feelings are ephemeral, my man. Like, just stop. (laughs) We're going to therapy. This is going to be fine. And it was like, really? I mean, obviously, I was also an emotional wreck. But like, the only way I could assess the situation was like, but objectively, you will never find a better partner than me. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> this is so silly. I mean, also fair. Um, as someone who is really good at compartmentalizing my emotions, it'd be like, can't you just shove it down? For, like, what? what is like, happening? We, 
we have been through worse things than this. Like, we will solve this problem. You're being such a goofball. Um, And I feel like that's where Baz is at, where he's just like, Simon, literally what? Like, this hurts so much, but also you're being so, so silly right now. Like, you're making such a bad decision. Right. And I think that part of the context where it's like, Baz and Simon have spent the first seven years of their relationship being literally mortal enemies. And I feel like for him to be like, literally nothing is happening. He literally says in like me, the last chapter, like we're not in a war. It's not the mage that's causing this to happen. It's just like, what? You know? Yeah. And I feel like in that context, it kind of, it is a little bit like seriously right now. <laughs> like this is the thing. Yeah. And I do think oh, it's also, kind I- of, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I am glad that obviously you and Evan worked through that. We did. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, we're going to go to therapy first. And then, you know, therapy is great. So, yeah. And also, we are a really good couple. So just having someone else be like, um, you guys are like a really good couple. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> 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 Very helpful. <laughs> I feel like every time me and Nicole go to like couples counseling for like whatever communication issues or whatever. They're always just like, that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I actually like my spouse. So, and respect and care about her feelings. So yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the vibe I've always, like every time Evan and I have done couples therapy, the vibe that I've always gotten is that they're used to basically shepherding people through divorce and not to like people coming in because they actually want to stay together and it seems like they always get really happy to work with couples that are like you guys are gonna make it and I get to help you make it like that's so exciting (laughs) yeah (sighs) if only these boys had gone to couples counseling for real I mean I think and actually that's sort of my next point is that actually really if only Simon had continued his therapy because I do legitimately think that Baz should leave Simon interesting Okay, say say more about this. Baz saying things like, you know, I'm not happy, but I'm smart enough to know that it would be worse if I broke up with Simon. I'm like, I don't think that's true, actually. I think it would be hard for a while, and then it would be a a lot better to, like, not be with someone that you feel like you have to monitor 24-7 who's just, like, watching TV and, like, getting drunk and not going to therapy, you know? Yeah. I think that is fair. (laughs) Obviously, Baz wouldn't have broken up first because he's like, we have a fairy tale romance, goddammit. Which I mean, enemies to lovers. I'm like, that's a fair assessment. Like, you thought that you were going to have to kill him for a majority of the time that you guys were spent together. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I like deeply, deeply wish that Simon was in therapy for all of this. Because I think so, like he, like I feel like so much about what Simon says are the reasons for this breakup are just like things that he has like issues he has with himself that he like needs to work on and work through and I'm like even if he had gone through spoiler alert even if he had gone through with getting his wings and tail removed and like become a normal quote-unquote person normal capital n person it wouldn't have solved his like self-esteem issues his depression his sort of kind of like feel like he doesn't deserve to be around people like he's broken quote unquote like that wouldn't have solved those things he would just been running away from his problems yeah i mean he's doing like the extreme you know because magic the extremist version of like bleaching your hair and like moving to like a different city or whatever but like he's literally 
I mean, he says when he's fighting the goblin that having his wings tied down feels like he's fighting with one hand. Like, getting his wings off is so much more than just, like, a physical change. Like, this is... He's, like, you know... I mean, he says, like, when they take my wings, there will be nothing left of me. And, you know, neither the wings nor Penny nor Baz are the problem. And he's just, like, trying to feel... I don't think he's trying to feel better. I don't know the word for what he's trying to do. I feel like he's trying to, and for lack of a better way to say this, I feel like he's kind of giving in to the like, well, I'm a garbage person that can't, this is unlovable. So I might as well just be a like regular person that doesn't have any friends and like lives in a like this regular shitty apartment somewhere. Yeah. And I feel like as someone who has, I mean, had depression my entire life and on and off antidepressants, mostly off for a majority of my 20s. I feel like this sort of like, I just want to be alone and terrible so no one has to deal with me is like a hashtag mood. Yeah. So, but I also, as soon as I met Nicole and realized I want to be in a long-term relationship with her, was like, I need to go to therapy. I'm fucked up. <laughs> this is not going to work if I do not go to therapy like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel that. Which was a good move. So, because I would not have been able to, I don't know, opened up, be able to be like emotionally vulnerable with her if I hadn't worked on my own shit in therapy. Yeah. And I don't know, not being able to open up to your partner is not a good look. Right. As we can see here. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, yeah, this sort of repeated refrain from Simon of, like, I'm nothing right now. Like, there will be nothing left of me. Like, Baz, I'm almost gone. Just go ahead and kill me, you know? Maybe what he thinks he's trying to do is, like, have a fresh start. And it's like, that's literally, this is not how, this is not how you do that. I mean, that's not possible, period, you know? Yeah. But, right, literally cutting off, LOL, everything that ties you to your sense of who you are is like the opposite of what's going to be helpful. I get it. Like I get where Simon is at. I just wish that he would like put this energy into feeling better in a way that like felt like actual progress. I think that he sees this as like a, you know, maybe once I get to the point where like I have no ties to the magical world, I'll feel better. But like, there's no, you know, peer-reviewed evidence for that being how you deal with depression or, like, trauma. And there is peer-reviewed evidence that's, like, therapy helps, antidepressants help, like, not getting wasted and, like, watching Law & Order SVU every night helps. So, like, maybe... (laughs) I don't know why that's what I imagine him watching. They probably don't have that in the UK, but that feels like peak, like, depression nighttime binging. (laughs) It truly does. Yeah. And I think that, I think I also want to talk about which, what is connected to his like depression and also a part of this like breakup was him sort of being lost without his identity as being a chosen one. And like him just being like, I'm tired of werewolves and goblets trying to kill me. I'm fucking done with that shit. And I'm like, that seems deeply understandable. That sounds so emotionally and mentally draining to always be like, oh, here's a goblin just trying to kill me, even though I'm, like, not an active magic user anymore. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah, his sort of, like, I'm just, like, too existentially tired to kill this goblin is 
I feel like such a good thing to have in the book right now because I feel like I'm often like too existentially tired to like water my plants, you know? And I'm like, (laughs) imagine if it was like doing a murder that I had to do on like a regular basis to survive. And it was just like my mental health being like, I am so exhausted. I literally can't do this murder right now. I'm like, Jesus, that is so much for him to be up against. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think what's also great about having the goblin in these kind of chapters is sort of the like, maybe more so than we've gotten in, in the previous two books, but it's like, even though Simon is a very capable, like an incredibly competent, capable fighter, you know, chosen one, capital C, capital one, that it does take a toll on him to like, have to like murder all of these people coming after him right essentially like he does it very well and almost like reflexively because of spending again eight years doing chosen one bullshit but like it's not something that it's like we get here that it's clearly not thing that that like it sits ill with him you know like he's not immune to the fact that shit's always trying to kill me and i gotta kill them first right you know or i gotta kill something for like the quote-unquote greater good you know yeah 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 it's fucked up yeah, I think it's just hard for Simon because it's like when you're already depressed or like have a bunch of like mental health shit going on, it does feel shitty to have feeling like your friends are more put together and more like quote unquote ahead than you are, you know, like you just feel shitty about yourself, you know. And so I feel like Simon being I mean, like not I don't think that Simon being like I just can't be around Penny and Baz anymore is like the correct way to go about that but i think it's a very understandable feeling for him to have to be like they could they're still active magic users like they're both in college they both have like shit going on and i'm just like what the what the fuck am i right what is what is my life i don't even fucking know yeah yeah no i mean it it definitely makes sense i don't know why it just made me think about like the statistic that and i feel like I read this so long ago that I have no idea what my source is, but the the biggest predictor of who your friends will be in adulthood is like income level. I want to say class status, but that's not exactly it. But like basically income level more than like anything else, like any other identity in your life, because it's just really fucking weird in the society that we live in to like be friends with people who are at like really different income levels than you to be like, I don't even know, like feeling like, Oh, I like have all of these things that you don't have or vice versa. And I feel like maybe magic is that for Simon right now where it's like his friends are like homeowners and he's like, you know, making U S minimum wage of seven twenty five an hour. I think seven twenty five is minimum wage. I can definitely see how Baz and Penny having magic would feel that way to Simon right now, especially because he seems so unable to, I feel like Baz and Penny are like, you are a dragon boy. Like you're still magic. And Simon can't see that. I think he learns to see that throughout this book. But like right now he's like, no, these are like weird remnants that are just hanging around me. But at the same time, don't cut off all of the people that love you. Yeah, I think, you know, and I was thinking about this because (laughs) 
problematic fave RuPaul infamous quote is like, if you can't love yourself, how can you love anyone else? Which is bullshit. Complete bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Because like healing yourself in a vacuum is shitty and hard and don't do it. You know, like it's good to be around other people. It's good to be in like loving relationships, whether they are romantic or platonic when you are going through shit. People are social animals generally. Yeah. And obviously there are people who are like true loners who just like, I don't know, other people. And like, if that's, if that is yourself, then yeah, but that's definitely not Simon. (laughs) Right. Um, And like him thinking that cutting himself off is the best way to go about it is, I mean, really just incorrect for his character, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you don't have to like (laughs) believe in your own lovability to be able to like love other people and like other people reflecting to you that you are lovable i think is one of the best ways to like start to believe that about yourself you know yeah and i feel like people in general like i think when you're choosing the people in your life i feel like the love is less conditional than a lot of people assume that it is you know or it's like you have control over how other people will love you you know it's like if they do they they do you know I don't know how to explain it in a way that like, I don't know. I guess this is so weird. I, Jesus, I saw a meme recently where some, where it's like, how can you have exotic pets like snakes that don't like outwardly love you? And it was like, that's fine. I can, I don't need my, I don't need the love to be reciprocal. I just love loving my snake or whatever. And then it was like a little frowny face. And I'm like, I don't know. I thought that was something just very like, lovely about that love is great like you can love all kinds of people and all kinds of living beings and it's like it doesn't matter if it's a snake that is maybe indifferent about your existence it's like you're taking care you're taking care of that snake you have a relationship it's like who gives a fuck fuck you yeah you know yeah not that i'm totally trying to compare simon to a pet snake but (laughs) no i get it though yeah, and I think he has, right, this feeling that, you know, his friends might love him, but, like, as soon as he's gone from them, they'll realize that they didn't, maybe. And just, it's, that's not our decision to make for other people, right. you know? Right, or or he can only be love of other people if he is, like, this powerful chosen one with his sort of mages and his, like the perfect foil to Baz. And it's like, that's, that's not true. And like, I don't know, bodies change and abilities change all the time. And it's like, you know, just because Simon can't actively use his magic anymore. It's like, it's just sad. Cause I'm like, it does not matter to Simon to Penny and Baz that Simon can't bring up his sword or like actively cast spells. Like it, like it does not matter to them, but like Simon can't see that. Right. um yeah i don't really have a whole lot left honestly simon says that this was his life to find love but not to have it when him and baz are taking turns reflecting on their star crossedness which is i mean just devastating and also so frustrating it's weird because i have so much compassion for simon in this in these chapters but not a lot of patience for him 
where I'm like, I, I get it. And like having spent the majority of my life from ages like 12 to 27 in a state of like very severe depression, I understand. And also I feel like the way that I managed to like have meaningful relationships through that whole time is just like still understanding that it's important to like treat other people kindly and the way that I would want them to treat me. And so like still showing up to be like a friend and a partner because like I understood that that was important, even if I, like, didn't understand that, like, it made sense for people to want that from me, right? Or, like, if I didn't feel worthy or whatever, I was just like, yeah, but these people are in my life, and so I have an obligation to, like, be good to them. And so I think I get, I feel really frustrated with Simon, where I'm like, I kind of don't care. Like, I deeply care empathically for you that you feel this way but I kind of don't care when it comes to like the behavior choices that you're making with your life like I don't think those feelings deserve to be taken into account when making your decisions about your relationships I guess does that make sense is that no okay no it does it does make sense because it's just like I mean it's just like a very frustrating string of chapters because it's like it's just like Simon why? Like what? Like I mean I know why, but I'm like you don't you don't have to do this. You could even ask Bass to help you with some of these things, but you're just you just have all this pressure on yourself, Simon, and it's like mm, it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's yeah, it's just like uh Dude, just, no, you're just going about this all wrong. Yeah, yeah. And the way, yeah, the way that he's impacting Baz is also just crushing because it's really well written and, like, you know, him describing it as feeling like he's dying is very accurate. And I felt like the line, like, right as he's about to leave where he says that Simon says that he's sorry as if that's a thing that matters. And I was like, yeah, that's like very real where it's like literally who cares like that there's whether or not Simon is sorry about what he's doing to Baz matters negative. Like you're doing it. So you're clearly not sorry actually, or you wouldn't be doing this. So, right. It's like if you, if you were really sorry, your actions would reflect that and they don't. Right. Really? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Do we want to talk a little, a little bit about Baz? Sure. Um, I just keep going back to Baz when it's like, we had the love that you kind of, the kind you would see in like the old tales. And it's like, oh, fuck, no one has told Simon any of these old tales. I'm like, and it's like, oh, no, he's already like defied the trope of what you're supposed to do as a chosen, as a hero anyway. And it's just like, oh, no, <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, oh, Baz, I'm sorry. Yeah. I too would have assumed that if you got through the mage's bullshit and being on either side of a war, that you would, that would be like, you're pretty solid. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Baz should have been more frustrated with Simon sooner. Honestly, I think I've talked about this before where I'm like, they just really should have had a fight whenever Simon stopped going to therapy and like continued having fights about Simon not going to therapy. 
um, for the past year or whatever. Yeah, like having this be simmering on the back burner, essentially, and then kind of come to this like explosive boiling point a year later is, yeah, not not great. Because like, yeah, I think if maybe had Simon had said some of these things to Baz, right, three months in even, maybe that like it wouldn't be this point where it's like everyone just feels like there is nothing more to be done. Right. You know? Yeah. And also I feel like as someone who's gone to a lot of therapy, like, and as you know, like working through things that are difficult to verbalize is a thing you have to practice. Like you have to keep doing it until it's not hard anymore. And like, I think that neither Simon or Baz are at that place yet. Really? Because like, I mean, Baz doesn't ask because he's just like, I'm just going to assume I don't actually want to know the answer. And like Simon won't say anything. And I'm like, you have to, you both have to practice these things. (laughs) I know they're hard. And that's why you have to practice doing them. And they, and this is really the first time it's happening. So it's like, of course, it's just like the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that has really probably contributed to the problem is that like I think both Baz and Penny have assumed that because Simon is in such a bad place like they can't ask anything of him even if the anything is like an emotional need that they're not having met as like his people yeah and I kind of think that that could have been like a huge problem solver because often I think doing something for the people in your life that you care about is like one of the easiest things to find that the access to the energy to do when you're in a really bad place emotionally, because like making other people happy feels good. Even if you want to like take it all the way to like the fucking Ayn Rand point of view where it's like, (laughs) if your only motivation is like, Oh wow, it feels nice for me to do a thing for you. Even if you, you know, don't want to make it about the other person, but like it is about the other person. You know, but it's like you can find the energy to do things for other people that you can do for yourself. And I think that it would have been really useful for all three of them had Baz and Penny been willing to be like, Simon, I want to talk to you about what's going on in my life. You know, not even about you, but like, here are the things I'm struggling with. Will you listen, you know? Right. And I think, yeah. And I think just also just good practice in like verbalizing emotional needs. Yeah. And I also feel like if I also feel like if people aren't explicitly saying their feelings, it's really easy, especially like when you're in a bad headspace to like assume the worst thing about what's going on. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like a clear, direct communication is just really good to be like, oh, that wasn't actually what I was thinking. So, okay, good. Yeah. That's good to know. Exactly. You know? Yep. Um, because depression is the worst in that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I think I'm good and it's also getting really hot in this room. So, okay. Uh, before we move on, when Simon is fighting the goblin, he's like, oh, like I need to like change my strategy. Uh, the mage told me that, you know, sometimes the best way to get under someone's guard is to let them in close. And I'm like, fucking Davy would say that bullshit piece of fucking piece of shit garbage human being. <laughs> Wait, what is it? 
Are you hearing this as something more than just like a fighting tactic? I mean, I guess I'm saying that in like, that is kind of what he did to both uh, Lucy and Simon in a way. I think that's one of his manipulation tactics is to like get close to someone and then manipulate them. And I'm like, I fucking hate you. Fair. Okay. Yeah. I just read that as like fighting advice. Um, But I think you're right that it probably is a metaphor. So well spotted. Fucking dude. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about some spells um, and other magic-y stuff. So welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. I love... (laughs) I think it's so funny that if you love something, set it free works to like get your shoelace unstuck. <laughs> That's definitely not something I would expect. Yeah, I actually, I love that. I'm just like imagining, I really just imagine like parents using it to unstick their children from a variety of like ridiculous ways that children can get trapped in things. Yeah. I was just wondering if it depends on like how much you. Like, does it depend on your emotional attachment to the thing that, like, is stuck or not? Like, if you if it was, like, shoelaces that you really hate or felt, like, indifferent about, would that spell not work? Or, like, is know. it because Fiona loves Baz that it works? That's what I assume. Okay. That's cute. I know. Uh, I also have a little bit of research about this. Okay. Uh, which is the phrase, if you love someone, set them free. Uh, it seems like no one is sure who the originator of that quote is. And one version was popularized because it was uh, printed in a book in like 1969. Huh. I would have assumed that was like a Shakespeare thing. It does sound like something like that. And this is also the title of a Sting song. In case... <laughs> I, for me, it, my brain automatically goes to the Christina Aguilera song because that was on TRL every day when I was at a very impressionable age where things just stuck like glue to my memory, you know? (laughs) Also, I feel like I got to say pretty shitty advice. I don't know. I think it's like, don't like cling to things. Let things be making a choice to stay. Right? I think that's what it means. At least in the Christina Aguilera song. It's like, if it comes back, it shows, and that's how you know. Right. But not like, we're no longer in a relationship, okay, but... Correct. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that probably the intention is, like, don't hold on too tight, because, like, then you feel like you're manipulating people into staying with you, as opposed to, like, knowing that they're there by choice. Right. What else do you have here? The only other thing I have here is that apparently there are potions that you can use to, like, steal love from other people and use for yourself you know i assumed that he was saying that there are potions people make to mimic the feeling of like having found your like one true love the word steal there is really interesting though right that is true that would maybe make more sense since you can't since if we were under the instruction that magic can't create love you could presumably steal it though right It's kind of wild. It makes way more sense if it's like they make potions to mimic it, but it definitely says steal. I kind of love that, actually. Yeah. Also, it's like very intense. (laughs) Very intense. That sounds like some mage level uh, dark magic, you know? 
Uh, yeah, it sure does. <laughs> Fucking Davy. Fucking anyway. <laughs> Davy. All right. Do you have anything else here? I have, I have a few more things. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you knew this before that, that it just come up that Baz needs an invitation to come into places. Maybe it's mentioned in the first book that like he can, there's like a sign or something at Watford that means he can just like come and go without needing an invitation. But I don't know. Yeah. Because it seems like a thing that would definitely give him away as a vampire up until now. I know that in this book, it comes up a couple more times where like they go somewhere and Baz will remind Simon as they're going in, be like, don't forget to invite me in. Which I guess means anyone can invite a vampire in anywhere. So I wonder if maybe he's just had like, if he's just gotten really good at either being like, you know, oh, it's just my like uppity breeding that he says oh may i come in or whatever yeah or if his family just is really on top of inviting him i feel like if anyone could play off a like hoity-toity i need aren't you gonna invite me in it would be best yeah totally like make <laughs> the other person feel like ashamed for not having said it even though it was like very clear that he was invited in yeah right it's like oh you don't have enough class to invite me in uh do I it need also to be doesn't here? seem like it has to be a lot though because simon just like flicks his tail at him to invite him in. he doesn't say it so if someone like mm-hmm. you know opens the door and like gestures for baz to come in that's going to be enough of an invitation so it might yeah. not actually come up very often yeah Maybe this magic is a little bit less stringent than the invitation magic we see on Buffy. Yeah. Which it seems like you definitely need a verbal invite from someone who lives at the place a vampire is trying to get in at. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And lastly, not only do we get the return of sexy goblins, uh, but we also find out that goblin weapons are cursed. (laughs) Yeah. Very inconvenient. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess probably less so if you're a goblin, because then no one is murdering you for your cool weapons, I True. guess. So. True. And if they do, then they're going to be cursed. <laughs> I'm like, Simon, what are you going to do with this? I don't remember what he does with this, but I'm like, you should throw that away immediately. Yeah, probably. <laughs> throw it in the river. <laughs> I'm sure he knows. I'm sure he knows, like, what precautions to take with goblin weaponry. I trust Simon yeah. to make good choices about this. This is true. Maybe nothing else (laughs) in this chapter, but what to do with this dagger. I'm like, he's probably got it under control. Yeah, unfortunately. All right. Well. All right. Holy shit. We did it. uh, Next episode will be less uh, focused. Yeah. More. There'll be some more funny things besides uh, depression breakup chapters. (laughs) Yep. All right, next time we will be talking about chapters 14 and 15. If you want to read along, they're much better. Honestly, everyone, just skip chapters 11 through 13 and go right to 14. Totally. (laughs) Like, we've given you a thorough breakdown of what happens. Yeah, we sure have. Um, yeah, don't forget to check the show notes for all of the things, including uh, the link to join our sticker club before the end of the month. So you get two bonus stickers. And until next time, Scatamoosh! Scatamoosh.